will make a million dollars in a week. I'm Cole Vandy. Uh, Cole Vandy Wustein is my, my official name, if you will. Uh, and I write words for people that sell stuff on the internet, man. I help people make millions of dollars, transform lives, and, and really get in touch with their audience just all from my laptop. It's been an incredible ride, an incredible journey, and super blessed to, to be here and be able to give some knowledge back, man. This will be fun. Can you explain a little bit about like the psychology behind what you do? What it really comes down to from like a really simple standpoint for anybody watching is it, it really comes down to what what does the audience want to read and what's going to keep them interested and how can you make it so simple that literally like it, it, there's no barrier um, between the first word that you see to the very last word. There's no hiccups, there's no friction, and it's just very smooth, very simple, very conversational. Um, you know, I do, I try my best to study as much psychology as I can. Uh, I try to study human behavior. I do this, you know, through books that I find on the internet or videos or events or masterminds or whatever. Um, but I also do it just observing um, everyday life, right? Uh, and I've, I've learned that, you know, in, in any part of life, no matter where you're at, uh, you can be learning something. I, I learned just as much sitting at a, a restaurant and just watching how people interact with each other, with the, with the staff that works at the restaurant, um, to how this, the staff is interacting with me and how their day might be going on a, like, on a real genuine level, not just, hey, how's everything going? And they're just, they say good and move on. It's like, you know, yeah. how is it actually going? How's is yeah. it busy for you? Is, you know, is tonight a good night for you? Are these the better days for you and stuff like that? I'm just kind of getting a better idea of, you know, them. Uh, so it's, it's what I do really is I spend a lot of time studying people. It comes from, you know, my childhood, right? And I'm, I didn't grow up in the most dangerous areas by any means, but I definitely grew up like on the line of where the not so nice areas were in town. And a lot of my friends lived there because the school district setup was that like my small area on top of the hill that I lived in um, also went to school with the below the hillside. And then there's like this whole other like um, like east side of town that went to the nicer schools and all that stuff. So I. I just grew up in, in that area. So being observant, paying attention to what cars are driving down your street was really important because if you saw the same car twice, that was most likely not a good situation, whether it was, um, you know, somebody looking to mug somebody or something like that, right? So just being aware of your environment all the time was really important for me. Um, it just continued, you know, as I got older, obviously, I, I did my best to put myself in better situations, better environments, better circumstances. But as I got into those better situations and better circumstances and around, you know, uh, higher level people, if you will, people that weren't necessarily tied to street life, but were looking to get out or to build something or to help people or impact the world or whatever it was, as I began to get around those people, I started to observe what they were doing and who they were learning from. So then I would continue that process of just paying attention to what's going on. Not necessarily that everything I see, I take as fact or that I take as the right thing, but it's, it's there. I understand that that is something that is happening and I can then make a decision on, well, is that good? Is that bad? Or do I need more information before I make a decision? And not everybody has that upbringing that you have. Somebody might live a very comfortable, careful life where other right. people are always watching out for them, right? Right everybody's watching out for you so you don't really have to stay on your toes and yep. you get comfortable you get yeah. out in the real world and you're like oh what is this you know oh, yeah. i didn't know people would do that to me but they would <laughs> you Absolutely. know it leads into like a really good point where you have no idea what someone else might be going through or wanting to accomplish with whatever they're doing right because we i i feel that there's we have our reality like ourselves like we have one reality but there's 7.3 some billion people on planet Earth. That means there's 7.3 billion realities happening all at the exact same time.
Yeah. You, no one has the same experience as another person. So the way someone might see a situation or see another human being or an opportunity or something like that, for us ourselves, we might be like, oh, this is a common sense thing. But for them, they may not have had that experience yet. Or maybe they've had the exact opposite experience we had that yeah. taught them that that's not the right thing. So um, just, yeah, just again, yeah. just being able to sit back and, and understand and, and try and observe as much perspective as you can on everything going on around you. When was like the turning point in your life that you took this unique perspective that you have, this ability to see from other people's point of views and put it into words? Because essentially that's kind of what you do. You take yeah. other people's point of views and you put them into words better than they can. So, I mean, that's, that's a unique skill. When did you realize that you had it? That's a good, that's a great question. A turning point, I guess, really was the, the real point for the writing, at least, because uh, I've always been in at least good at sales. My mom was in sales. My father was in sales. Um, so it, it's just been that's that's just how I was accidentally raised was just asking for what you want. Yeah, um, getting to know people like stuff like that. And they, it's not like they sat me down and trained me on sales It was just who they were. So it's just something yeah. that that I learned, which I'm very thankful for, because without sales, I don't think I'd be able to make the income that I do now, or I'd at least be learning how to sell so I can, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but as far as the writing stuff, man, I, you know, like anybody, I was trying to figure out you know, how to make more money. I was 20 something years. I was early 20s, like 20, 21, something like that. Maybe 19 or 20, something, something somewhere around there. And I was trying to figure out how to make more money. Right. I would, I'd finally broken through, made my first six figures, um, in sales and greedy, young, egotistical me, right. Which was the younger version of me for sure. Uh, I wanted more. I had to have more. I, and that's how I got to where I was at. I was, you know, I got, I climbed the very top of the food chain. The next stop for me in that company was ownership. I was going to be a part owner in the company. That was the only next goal for me because I had already achieved everything else so quickly. And I was like, they're not going to give me ownership. I'm so young. Like this is dumb. So I need to figure it out. So I was like, I can just run businesses myself. Yeah. So I started all sorts of businesses that fell on their face. I, I decided I was going to make stickers for like vinyl stickers for car windows. I was like, that's going to be, I'll make millions <laughs> af after like, you know, four or five months of that. And I'm making, you know, 50, 60 bucks a day or 90 bucks a day. And I have no time. I'm literally going to my job, getting to my job at 6 a.m., getting home from my job at like 8 p.m. And then from 8 p.m. until 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning making stickers and then paying people to deliver these stickers and stuff locally. I wasn't making any money and I was working, you know, yeah. like 100 hours a week. I was like, this is dumb. So I shut that down. And I was like, I can do consulting. So I started my first consulting business when I was... 18 or 19 and that failed and just because i didn't know what i was consulting on i had no idea right and then so then i was like well what, what should i do next and then so i was like well i'll do you know i i had a friend i saw a facebook ad um from a, a friend of mine now and his name's elijah and he was running an ad and it was just a video and all the video said was if you are a, an entrepreneur or you want to become an entrepreneur we have a free meetup every, I don't remember what it was, Tuesday, Thursday, something like that, at the college at, in this room. If we know, if you show up, we know you're serious about becoming an entrepreneur. So I was like, cool. So I show up and all it was, was just like, like a, a weekly think tank for us where we'd get together and just get through our ideas, work through them, all that fun stuff. And then after a couple of weeks of that, I've learned he was making all of his money by running Google ads to promote Uber, to get people to sign up as Uber drivers. Yeah. He's making like 80 grand a year doing that. Yeah. Nice. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're making money, like running ads. Like that seems pretty simple. I was like, how, you know, how much, how much time per day do you spend on it? He's like, I just, and you don't have a. Yeah. And he don't have a product like, like technically, like, you know, yeah. no, yeah. yeah, nothing, literally nothing. He's getting, you know, he's making like a hundred bucks, 150 bucks a day. Um, sometimes 200 bucks a day, uh, with his Google ads. I'm like, what are you like, you know, what are you, 
what do you do every day? He's like, I don't have to do anything. He's like, I open up my Google ads, um, thing. Yeah. He's like, I just make sure that the ad's still running and that it's converting. I'm like, that's it. He's like, yeah. I'm like that takes you what, 20 or 30 minutes. He's like, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, so you're telling me <laughs> you made 80, like he profits 80 grand a year and you do, you spend 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. He's like, uh-huh. I'm like, I, I need to learn everything, you know, right now. So literally we set, um, he's like, all right, we need to, you know, so I, I promoted Uber, uh, the Uber stuff and, uh, exactly how he had it set up and it broke even. And that was it. Like, I, no matter how much money I threw at it, it wouldn't turn a profit. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, what the hell, you know? So, so then I was like, all right, maybe, maybe it just, it's not for everybody. I was like, all right, let's find something else. So I found another course to promote. And I was like, Hey man, like this is my buddy's course. He teaches people how to build websites. He'll pay us 200 bucks per sale or whatever. And so we both started running Facebook ads for it. It was his first time running ads on Facebook and mine too. So we, we had the same targeting, same everything. The only difference was the words, the copy. Yeah. I had wrote up this elaborate, super long story explaining the process of getting a website <laughs> built and how terrible it is to do it yourself and all the tools you need and all the time it takes and everything else. And then at the very end, I was like, but if you only want it to take you 15 minutes or less, this course will show you how to do it. And for me, I was getting, I was getting leads for that for like a dollar ten, dollar fifteen, whereas yeah. Elijah was spending twenty to thirty dollars per lead, and they're converting wow. significantly less. Oh my gosh! And he, we couldn't figure it out, so I was like, "Let me try something." So I, I rewrote all his copy for him. I didn't know it was called copy at the time. All the words in the ad is called copy. Yeah. So I rewrite all of his words, a different one than what I had completely different but story super long everything else same call to action and got his leads down to a dollar 15 dollar 25 something like that instantly like it was like it literally just flipped a switch and he's like dude you're really good at this stuff i was like yeah i should do this <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> you know so i was like all right what you know i didn't know what it was called so i'm like i'm trying to figure out what it's called if there's a job for it like all this stuff and i finally <laughs> after all the research i finally figure out it's called copywriting yeah. and um that and i and i did some research and stuff like that and i learned that there are copywriters that literally will make a million dollars in a week or a million dollars in a month and i'm like i'm all in this is, I'm, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I hadn't looked back since then, man. Um, and it, that was a, for me, that was definitely a big turning point of realizing like, this is definitely like what I want. Um, it was completely by accident. I had yep. no idea. I had never wanted to be a writer. I was terrible at English in high school, uh, like literally really bad. The of the three weeks I went to college and community college, right? My creative writing teacher was the only teacher out of all the teachers I had or professor, whatever they're called. It was the only, only professor told me I needed to drop the class because I was never going to make it as a writer. Like I didn't want <laughs> to be a writer. So it didn't hurt. You know, everyone's like, Oh yeah. my God, that's so sad. I didn't care. I was like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to write for a living. This is stupid. Yep. And then now I'm like, now for me, I, now I speak on stages and teach people how to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's completely by accident. And, you know, if, if it wasn't me trying to go through all those different things, trying to figure out how everything fits together, figure out, you know, try to run all these different businesses, I never would have figured it out. Um, you know, and who knows, maybe, you know, six months from now or a year from now, I write this really great campaign for some supplement company and I'm like, I'm going to start a supplement business. And now I, I run a hundred million dollar year supplement company. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and I just write all the copy for it and I just pay people to do everything else. You know, I don't know. And that that's kind of the, the important piece here is that to get started is really a big, like important piece of the puzzle. I, I think. Yeah. You know, instead of trying, you know, you're never going to have the perfect idea. You're not going to have the perfect business opportunity. It's, you're going to fail. Uh, you're going to fail a lot. You only need one to succeed. That's the key. Yeah. 
that's that's the way that's the way i look at penny stocks <laughs> yeah you only you know you're gonna have you're gonna lose a lot you're gonna yeah. lose a lot in the stock market you just need one big investment that's but if just one of these works you know then, then we're going yeah. to the moon when you and i had met was at the snowboard mastermind in seattle <laughs> yeah yeah like more snowboard years ago yeah. three years and one month ago i think it was february of 18 um and so that was the very first event I had an opportunity to do any type of speaking at, although I just did the Q&A panel and I did a quick little workshop while people went snowboarding for the people that didn't go snowboarding, right? But for me, that was just interacting with people and being able to help them a little bit, right? For me, I saw a light bulb go off in just one person's head and it was... Um, it was what was his name Jaden uh Hefner Jaden Hefner's head yeah hey, I love that kid <clears throat> he's awesome and he started he's switch stuff and everything he's a cool guy I, I try and keep in touch with him but a light bulb had gone off on his head during that event he's like I can I can do that I can I can figure this out like I can really I can I know I can do this and watching that light bulb go off in his head that was when I knew that I needed to teach as much as I possibly could to give knowledge as much as I could to mentor where I can. Um, you know, because it, it just, it literally just takes, you know, sometimes one word coming out of somebody's mouth for you to go, that's it. This is, this is everything that I've ever wanted and I can do it. Um, or I can do that too. You know, again, I, I make it an important piece to anytime I'm doing a podcast or doing a show or, speaking on stage or anything to make it very clear that I did not go to school for this. And I was very bad at this during school. Like, I'm not like, I'm not kidding. You can ask my mother this, like, and I had her (laughs) explain this when on stage at Caesar's palace two years ago or a year and a half ago. Um, when I was speaking and she, I, you know, she came in cause she was out for work anyways. So she was in Vegas and she, I pulled her up on stage, even though she hated me for it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't good at English or writing. Like I was really bad at it. I, you know, I remember eighth grade, I got in trouble for plagiarizing something, um, from the <laughs> internet because I didn't want to write it. Um, and I, I learned, yeah, I learned very quickly. That's not a good thing to do. Um, <laughs> you know, but, and I, never, and I never did it again, but I was just, I never wanted to do it. Um, I never thought I was any good at it. Uh, and everything, all the experiences in my life had told me that I wasn't a good writer. Yeah. Uh, but when it came, when I, f- when it came down to figuring out, like actually writing that ad for the first time and, and getting leads so cheaply compared to somebody that had way more experience running ads than I did in general. And it being really like just directly related to the words that were written. I knew that it was something I could do and I just kept going with it. And it's something that can be learned by anybody. Like you don't have to have some type of raw talent or sales background like I do or anything like that. You can be super shy, introverted. Um, You know, you play video games all day, all that fun stuff. But if if you want to learn something in anything, it doesn't have to be writing, but if you want to learn anything, you can do it. Um, it's possible. You know what I mean? You may not be become the Tiger Woods of it, right? But yeah. you could easily be the guy that comes in eighth place. That guy's still taking home 600 grand, 500 yeah, grand. Pay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're still making money, still, still making it work. And then you can continue to craft, you know, your skill and become the Tiger Woods. So you don't, you know, shooting for number one, right out of the gate, you know, it's a great thought that, you know, for me, that was a driving factor for me. I wanted to be the world's greatest copywriter and positioning myself that way got me on podcasts and stuff like that. Um, I just sent an email to my list a couple of days ago about that. Um, you know, so yeah, hopefully I mean, it motivates someone. Yeah, absolutely. It's motivating me right now. I'm telling you that. For, for real, because like, when I started speaking, I, I told myself that I wasn't um, smart enough. I actually felt like I just wasn't smart enough. Uh, just because I didn't have the vocabulary that I saw other pe- people had, which I was a 15 year old kid looking at, you know, 40, 50 year old speakers. And I'm like, I don't even know what that word means. You know, <laughs> like I, 
I can't talk like that. I'll, I'll never right. be good at this. And it's exactly what you were saying. You're looking at the number one spot while you're sitting at the bottom. And you're thinking you're going to go from zero to 100 real quick or, you know, to the right. spot real fast. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen that way. It's a slow process. Yeah. How did you shift your perspective in the beginning away from like, failure is a bad thing type of, you know, cause you failed a lot of times and you kind of got yeah. down on yourself. How did yeah. you take that negativity and change it to something positive? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I, it wasn't all suns, you know, sunshine and rainbows for me when I first started writing um, for people. Right. So my, I had a, I'm again, my sales experience probably helped with this a little bit, but I landed a really big client really early on. Um, Alex Sharfin, he's an incredible entrepreneur that's coached, you know, Damon John, Richard Branson, stuff like that. And he's pivoted his business to really helping entrepreneurs scale online now. Um, and so he was my first really big client and he, it was my first big retainer client. It was like 60 K a year. Like it was great. Um, and I completely dropped the ball on that because I oversold my ability at that point. And he knew it like, I, you know, when we're on the phone together, like he knew, you know, where I was at and everything else. Um, he saw through me overselling, but he saw the potential and he wanted to kind of work with me on that. And he brought in his previous writer to help kind of coach me and, and you know, help me with his writing and stuff like that. But I got so overwhelmed with all the work and everything else that I, I was like two months behind on my work with him. And, uh, and, that was, and that was the first time a client had ever fired me uh, for not being able to produce the work. And that was hard. You know, I didn't know at that, at that time, uh, I was, you know, making good money uh, after not making good money for a little bit, trying to figure it out. And then that, that big income source just came from me, uh, you know, got taken away because I wasn't delivering what I was supposed to be delivering. And then it just domino effect. I lost every, all the clients that I had at that point, basically, because I was so far behind on everything and everything else. So I went from 12, 15, 20 K months to three grand, two grand months. Um, and I was like crazy trying to figure it out. And I was depressed for a little while, man. I didn't leave my bedroom. Uh, my roommates probably thought I hated them at the time. Uh, you know, and, and to give you guys perspective, man, I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor. I did have my own room, at least in the apartment, but just a mattress on the floor. I had no furniture. All I, I had boxes with my books in them and my clothes. And that was literally all I had. Um, and it's not, I could, you know, I could have went out and bought a TV. I could have bought a bed frame and stuff like that. But I was like, I know that I need this money to live. I need this money to push myself forward. I need this money for ads. Like I don't need a bed frame. I don't need an end table. I don't need a TV. I don't need anything. I don't need a bookshelf. I have a box with my books in it that holds my books just fine. Yeah. So I, you know, for me, when I lost all my clients, I'm like, well, now I have no money coming in. I have, you know, I have no items in my bedroom. It literally looks like I'm squatting in this room you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't, I didn't know what to do. And finally I called, I remember this vividly. I call my mom. This was four years ago. Um, call my mom in tears i'm like i'm gonna be homeless i don't know what to do i, I don't i was like can you help me with rent this month it was like 1200 bucks or something like that and i was like nope you'll figure it out click and i was like what what just happened <laughs> like my mom just hung, and my mom loves me to death like she's the greatest mom on planet earth but she she made a decision. I'm glad she did. And we've talked about this too, but she made a decision. She's like, I'm not helping you. Like you put yourself there. You quit your job. You decided you were going to do this. And if you call me to bail you out, that's not going to help you. And the next day I landed a $10,000 project for a really big client that I still have a great relationship with today. And that turned it all around for me. I didn't sleep that night after my mom, went home <laughs> on me, by the way, you know, and I was, I, I couldn't figure it out, but I was living, you know, granted I was living two blocks from the beach in Southern California and Marina del Rey. So like life was not 
terrible. If I was yeah. homeless, it was going to be on the beach. Like, so that would have been okay. But I remember it was like two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. I go walk to the beach. I walk out on, if you've ever been to Marina del Rey, there's that canal oh, yeah. that runs out on the ocean. So I go walk out as far as you can and you can see the whole city lit up at night. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm just standing there and I, and I'm just thinking, I'm looking over the city and I'm just thinking, I, I come from the Midwest. I come from a town where if you make 40 grand a year, you own a house, you have a car, you're done. This is success. And I am paying more in rent per year than most of my friends make a month right now. I've talked to more successful people, more millionaires in my lifetime in the last six months than I had in my entire lifetime before this. I have so much opportunity in front of me. Every single one of these people figured it out. All these lights on mean that they're paying their electric bill. Every single one of these houses means that somebody did something right. Because a house in LA is a million bucks minimum. Yeah. Right? So I'm looking over this. I'm like, all of these people did it. There's millions of people here and they can all figure it out. Why can't I figure it out? I know I can. And I woke up the next day sent off uh, a couple of messages to a couple of people that I thought I might be able to help out. I said, Hey, this doesn't work out. I'll give you a hundred percent of your money back. I think I can do it. And one person took a gamble on me and that's, you know, that's how I dug myself out of that one. Um, but it was tough, man. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say it was easy or any of that fun stuff. And that landing that project was, you know, a little bit of luck, a lot of, you know, a lot of the work that I put in over the, you know, the last six months of leading up to that point definitely helped, you know, positioning and stuff on social media, but I just didn't give up. And when I did, the person I looked to, to allow me to give up, to give me that permission to look up, they were, my mom, she stood strong and she said, you're not giving up. This is, you're going to figure this out. And if you're going to give up, you're going to own it. It's going to be you. You're going to own that failure. I'm not helping. I'm not contributing to your failure. It's on you. Figure it out. So it was it was a tough ride, man. Um, no, it's not the only. I had another tough one. Um, the end of 2018, uh, lost a really, really, really big client. It was a big equity deal. Then the equity hadn't started yet. So I was I did three, four, five hundred thousand dollars worth of work for five grand a month. 10, 15, I think it was ended up being like 25 grand or 20 grand. I got paid for, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars worth of work plus. Yeah. And then I'm expecting, you know, ownership in this company, equity in this company at launch. And I get a phone call. I'm speaking at another event in in Vegas. And I get a phone call in the middle of the event. Luckily, it's a breakout session. So I'm not on stage. I get the phone call. I pick it up. And they're like, hey, you're fired contracts canceled we're not paying you anymore click and i put i put all my eggs in that basket at that phone call my i felt like my heart fell out of my body (laughs) i i i'm telling you i literally my heart just just right out i was like oh god you know luckily much better situation now than i was the first time right i'm like all right I know I can figure out how to make more money. I'm getting paid for this event I'm speaking at. Let me figure out if I can create a little bit more income while I'm here, you know, because they, I mean, it's a great company. I still work with this company and, and teach at their events and everything else every month. So, I mean, I, you know, that relationship's always been great. And that relationship came from the guy that just fired me, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, yeah. you know what I mean? So, uh, I figured it out. So I was like, how, how can I make this work for me? I just got fired. I have more time. Uh, I have more opportunity. Let me, you know, so I go and I talk to my buddy that owns this company that flew me out to speak at this event. I'm like, Hey, um, I'd like to, if I can do a soft pitch on my book that I sell, um, to your audience, would that be okay? He's like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, and I'm going to ask you as a favor to me, can I keep a hundred percent of the revenue that comes through on this? Uh, I just got a really bad phone call. This is going to help me pay rent or pay for whatever. I don't remember what I needed at the time, but this is, I need this income. Is that okay with you? Cause I saw my book for a hundred bucks. It's not like it's just cheap book. Right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, dude, don't even worry about it. Cause he's, he's making, you know, we're in his, we're in the $10 million mansion across the street from Dana White. 
You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> his, that's, that's his house. You know, he's good. He doesn't need a couple of grand. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, dude, whatever you need to do. I'm like, great. So before I can, he gathers everybody up. There's like 30 or 40 people at this event, gathers everybody up, puts them in the living room where we're doing the event. It's a huge living room. And he's like, who here wants to take Cole home with them? And then he starts pitching my book. And so I made like three or four grand, um, just right like that, right after that phone call. Um, and, but understanding perspective, how to approach the situation, how to ask for it. And then, you know, after that phone call that I got fired on where I lost, you know, again, that was banking on, that's like a minimum to me, $300,000 in my pocket over the next 12 months that I just lost. And I have no legal recourse or any of that fun stuff. And me and that guy are friends again. Like that was, there was no hard feelings. That was a business move on his end. I get it. Um, You know what I mean? I was gambling, which now I recognize not to gamble, but um, going through that and understanding perspective, what would, what would a successful person do in my shoes? What would Mark Cuban do if he just lost $500,000 and he needed money right now? How would he position that in a way to keep the relationship good, be able to give value to others and be able to resolve the the problem that he currently is facing? I was like, this is, this is what I got. This is what I can do. And so that's what I did. Um, so going through and just continuing to push through failures, man, has, has been, you know, something that it's not fun to do, but it's necessary in life if you're going to let life beat you up and throw you down you're going to be miserable most likely you're not going to enjoy life you're going to wake up and go to a job you probably don't like uh you're going to be in a relationship with somebody you don't want to be in a relationship with uh because you're either afraid of failing or you're just letting life do what it's going to do to you and you're not going to do anything to to kind of push in the direction you want it to go people get down on themselves a lot and they talk down to themselves. You talk yourself up because every time you talk about a low moment in your life, you immediately talk about a high one that came from it. And that's, that is your mindset. And that is how you actually work on a day-to-day basis. Is there anything that you like practice any type of repetition, any any mental health uh, perspective that you can give to the audience right now that helps you kind of stay on track? We can, we can agree for the most part, right? That science is foundationally accepted as fact for the most yeah, part. Yeah. So with, and we're all living human beings and we all are made up of atoms, mm-hmm. right? So every single atom has a positive and a negative charge. No matter what, no matter how positive you are, there's always something negative happening in direct correlation to it. I'm not saying... Right. And I don't want the, and I want to make sure the perception is received from my perception here. I'm not saying that if you only think positive, that you'll only see the positive. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to understand that with every negative, you can create a positive out of it because it's there already. It's in the same scenario, same situation. It's there. It's fundamentally, it's there. So any negative situation you have, there's, you can make it a positive. I'm not saying, oh, um, you know, uh, my car broke down, right? That's a positive thing. Like that sucks. I get it. I'm not telling you to say it's not. I'm, I'm just saying, what is it, right? My car broke down. What does that mean? That means I have to be more creative about how to get to where I need to go. Or if mm-hmm. I, my car breaks down, I have to be to a meeting in 60 minutes. Now, what do I do? I can call a friend. The friends are busy. Great. I'll grab an Uber. So I grab an Uber. On the Uber drive, I I talked to the Uber driver and he's like, man, you know, I've been trying out this marketing thing for quite a while. It's not working anymore. That's why I'm driving for Uber. Great. Let me help you with that. Right. I'm not saying that that's a positive necessarily for me. Like I'm not asking the guy for any money, but I want to help him. So now I have an opportunity to help him because, and it all started because my car broke down. Right. So there, and, and the same with positive stuff, right. When you're going through life, you're gonna, you'll get and build this momentum on positivity. Positive is gonna happen. Success is gonna start happening. But you gotta understand with all those successes, there's negatives directly correlated to that too. Making a lot of money, negative. You gotta pay taxes. Now you have a lot more exposure. Um, you know, f- friends and family start coming out of the woodworks that you haven't talked yep. to ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, 
And, but also you have to be able to sustain that, right? That's a, that's a tough thing to do. And you hear, you know, I know you being in the music business and then myself dabbling in the music business, a lot of, you know, a lot of the successful uh, artists of our time and previous generations and stuff, they talk about sustaining that wealth. It's hard. You have a number one hit, you make $10 million because you sell, you know, however many records and now you got to do it again. Cause you got to yep. keep making that money. You want to live that lifestyle. So just f- from a mental health standpoint, just recognizing that with, with, with every negative, there's a positive and with every positive, there's a negative. It's, it's what you do with it and how you perceive the situation. And I know that's tough and it's something that I continue to work on every day. Um, you know, but like you mentioned, I, I, you know, I'm talking about stories where I failed, like I failed, like those are big failures. Like I lost a really big client that, that easily could have turned into something way bigger than what it was. Um, however, uh, I kept pushing through and that forced me to be like, you know, what? I got to continue these conversations with these other people. I got to keep the ball rolling. Yeah. And now I got, then I got in contact with another client that ended up being a big payday for me and it got me out of a bad jam. Um, but it also created a, now I have a more of a friendship role with that client that I failed for. Right. Which is, I think much more valuable than a business relationship. Although the business relationship was paying me directly, the friendship that I have pays me in other ways. It pays me in insight. It pays me in more perspective, um, pays me in connections and networking and all sorts of different. So um, just recognizing that, you know, the situation could be bad. I'm not saying it's not, but recognizing there's, there's definitely a lesson there and, there's some type of positivity happening, even if you can't see it in that moment um, and try to look for it just actively. You're, you know, anytime you feel down on yourself, sad, mad, angry, um, whenever you don't feel happy. And even when you do feel happy, why, why do you feel this way? And how could you feel a different way? How could you change your state of mind? Um, it's hard because we're not, we're not taught how to, how to use our emotions or what our emotions actually mean. Like we get that sad means you're sad, but but really, why are you sad? Like what caused that sadness? And can you look at it and go, okay, here's the action I took that caused the sadness. And maybe it's because you put too much on something outside of your control and that, that caused some sadness or, you know, uh, so a client fires you and now you're angry, right? Why did the client fire you? Is it something that they needed to do? Is it something that you didn't do? Like, what is the real reason for it, right? Why did it actually happen? Anger's okay, but the anger towards a person is not because you can't control other people. You can only control yourself. Yeah. So that's how I try my best to deal with it. And if you're somebody that's working on that and working on uh, better understanding your emotions, best advice I can give is space, right? Don't Mm. like if something happens that causes an instant emotion in you, give it space, let your mind process it. So that way you can look at it from more of an objective viewpoint, like a a viewpoint that is more logical or rational rather than an emotional viewpoint that you currently have in that moment. Because a lot of times those moments aren't as big as we think they are. They just are in that particular moment because compared to whatever else happened that day, this is the biggest emotion we had felt. Yeah, I mean, solving a conflict as fast as possible usually means that you elevate it to a point of no return. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I had some traumatic experiences around age 12 and 13 for me. Um, You know, nothing life dangering or anything like that for myself, but it just kind of woke me up to to understanding that people might be going through stuff and you may not understand it. And it's okay to not understand why people do what they do. Uh, But I don't believe it's, it's okay to not try and get more information about it or to not try to understand. And that doesn't necessarily mean pestering somebody with questions and beating them to death, trying to figure out why they do what they do but it's like all right this person did this let me go let me do some research there's got to be some articles on a dot gov site that's that's you know trustworthy um or there's got to be a textbook on this or there's got to be something right or maybe i can just ask a soft question like hey just out of curiosity why did you feel that way or why did you do what you did or you know just just curious just so that way i have a better understanding of what's going on 
when you approach things delicately and softly like that um, and try to gain that, that more understanding, it, it, it helps significantly. Um, you know, I was during that, that traumatic period of my life there, you know, I was bullied quite a bit um, for, I'd say probably three, four months, just based on the situation. It was completely outside of my controls. Nothing I had done. Um, it was not, you know, nothing that, you know, is nothing that it was way outside of my control. It was so obvious. It was outside of my control. And, you know, the first instinct when I'm that young is it's my fault. And I thought about it. I was like, well, this isn't like, this clearly can't be my fault. Like, there's no way, like, I don't, you know what I mean? Uh, so that's, that's really where it really started to happen for me. And then also I take a very calm approach to pretty much anything, um, like to everything. That's probably then probably the number one thing I get from having a conversation with anybody, uh, whether it's in a social setting, a business setting or anything like that. It's like, like, wow, Cole, you're, you're like really calm. Are you like always like this? And it can be a very intense argument or, um, a sales call or anything like that, but I'm just very easygoing and very calm. And that kind of transpired out of that, that experience for me, the traumatic experience for me. But, um, I, you know, when I, before that I was very shy kid, I kept to myself for the most part, I had friends here and there, but I was never like the social outgoing person. Um, I just kind of like to watch and see what other people were doing. Um, it was always interesting to me. It still is to this day. Is that hard for you to sometimes separate, you know, other people's emotions and problems from your own? What I try to do my best at is I look at things I can control and what I can't control. And the things I can control, that's where I spend my own deep work on. How can I make that better? But the stuff I have no control on, all I can really do is if they ask for, you know, they ask a question, ask advice, want a suggestion, feedback, whatever, all I can do is give it to them. Whatever they do with it, that's on them. Um, and it, I don't, and this kind of ties into that, that saying where, you know, the, the Coast Guard has a rule where uh, they save the people swimming towards the boat first. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if, if I'm, if someone's looking out, you know, reaching out to me for help, um, they're starting the process of swimming towards me. And if I feel I can make a suggestion from a place of experience, not just a place of theory or thought, right. But something from my own experience, I can make a suggestion to them. I'll do that. And I'll check back in with them. Like, Hey, like, how did that go? And if they're like, Oh, I tried it and it actually worked, then I'm more interested. All right. How, you know, what else can we do? But if they're like, Oh, I haven't tried it yet. They're not swimming towards the boat anymore. Now they're, now they're swimming away from the boat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, that's how I deal with that. Um, as far as my own emotions, that that's something I'm working on. And it's, you know, something on the mental health aspect of everything, dude, um, is that I have a therapist, like I speak to a therapist as frequently um, as needed for myself. Uh, I think therapy is extremely important for anybody of any age. And I think we all should be in some form of therapy, whether that's uh, talk therapy, which works for some people. And um, I have a more um, like a structured therapist. Um, so they do, she does uh, EMDR therapy, which is, uh, I don't know what exactly what it stands for, but it has to do with eye movement. Um, and it's more of light therapy. And what it does is it basically, it kind of recreates your memories and then what triggers them. Um, oh, stuff cool. like that. It's more structured and based on a process. So there's less, um, there's less leeway for, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word. It's not error. I don't want to say less leeway for error, but less leeway for unproductive time with my therapist. And I'm really self-aware about this too. I've like, I'll tell my therapist like, Hey, I'm avoiding that. Like I'm literally talking you in circles. So I don't have to talk about that. And she, <laughs> know, and, and she knows I'm doing it. Right. But she lets me go through that. And then I find like, I'm doing this. This isn't working. Like we need to do something else. Yeah. And she, so she'll do something else as well. And I, I understand not a lot of people are that aware of that. Um, just me being in sales. And then my, also my, my mom, will tell me when I'm talking in circles or avoiding something or asking a question to move something in a different, like I'm very good at moving a conversation the direction I want it to go. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So I understand people aren't as self-aware about that. Um, it, 
it's a little freaky to catch myself doing it sometimes. Um, but it, it's good to have a good, good relationship with your therapist and, and to try therapy. I think it's for everybody. Um, you know, and that, and that helps it, it allows you to get off your, you know, whatever feelings that you have attached to things outside of your control and even, you know, working through things that you can control. Um, you know, so I, I highly recommend that to anybody again, of all ages. Um, I saw my first therapist during the you know, traumatic experience. I was like 12 or 11 or 13 or something. It was right around that time when I started seeing a therapist. Um, and there's a big gap after that where I didn't for quite a while. And then I started seeing one again. Um, and it, it helps me work through, you know, my own stuff, which is, which is good. Me as a kid, I was told rub some dirt on it, get back up, keep going. If I told people that I had a problem, like I'm trying to express my emotions to somebody, I've literally had people in my family be like, dude, it sounds like you need a job. Like you just need to stay busy. Like you're yep. thinking too much, bro. Get to work. What are you doing? Yep. You know, and, and, and you're somebody that's very busy, very busy, but makes time for their mental health. And I think that is why you're successful and sound. You have a successful sound mind. And that is why, because you make time for it. And, and, and with this, what I wasn't taught show, you know, one of the main things I say is school doesn't teach you how to be happy. doesn't teach you how to manage your mind, time, money, or emotions. That's like the main ones and and it doesn't teach you how to build a business do all that other stuff too but none of that other stuff is even possible if you don't do those first things right you, your business won't i don't care i don't care how smart you are right if you build a business let's say you become a millionaire and you're on a million dollar a year business if if your mental health isn't where it needs to be that business will eventually dissolve itself if you try to fit in gym time if you try to fit in therapist time, if you try to fit in reading into your schedule, you won't do it. However, if you try to fit in work around your fitness schedule, if you try to fit in work around your therapist schedule, if you try to fit in work around reading, you will do those three things because you are fitting everything else around those. That's what you do. How you, how you earn a living, how you, how you make an impact is how you fill your time outside of that. There's no amount of work that's going to replace any of those things. I think what most people don't understand is that they, they look at time and they say, I don't have enough of it. I don't have enough time. And if I can get rid of these things, these things, these things, which are usually the diet, the exercise, the mindset, you know, the things that are good for them physically and mentally. And they end up saying, I got to work all day. Well, you're not very productive because you're not in the right frame of mind. What, what, what they don't understand is if you do all those other things first, then the productivity that you're going to get done and the amount of time that's actually shorter is still going to be more. You're going to, you're going to produce more. That's how millionaires and billionaires really have more time than the average person. It's not because they necessarily work harder yeah let's say they work a 16 hour day that's normal you know elon musk is no i have a friend that's actually an executive assistant for spacex i won't say her name um awesome. so she watch she literally sees elon sleeping in a conference room at spacex like in the middle of the day yeah. and he's working 16 hours a day however he's taking care of everything else and he has all the pieces in place so that way he can be as productive as possible when he's working so his 16 hour day is the same as someone else's two or three weeks worth of work yeah but it's he's just so productive dude's like my hero bro i, I love you <laughs> seriously hey after, after covid we'll have to set it up I'll, i have a she's gonna get me a bro, tour spacex man <laughs> i would die if you made that happen for me I, no, we'll figure it out seriously uh just a quick little thing about that my son we watched the launch you know on facebook okay. live and he's four and and I have never seen him take more interest in anything in his life. His short little life. But as soon as he That's saw so that cool. rocket take off, still to this day, he tells me weekly he's going to Mars. He's going to That's Mars. Awesome. He tells me like when we when Halloween came around, everybody's dressing up. I was like, hey, man, you want to be like astronauts? And he wouldn't do it because it's so real to him that he's not. That's Halloween's for dressing up to pretend. <laughs> He's like, I am an astronaut. I am going to Mars. I'm like, okay, dude, cool. Like, <laughs> so, so he had to be Spider Man because Spider Man's pretend, but he's really 
really an astronaut he's really going to mars so that's a, that's amazing <laughs> but it that's was all amazing. and it wasn't a cartoon it wasn't nothing he he watched that and it something clicked inside of him bro and he spaces everything to him that's everything amazing. he watches that's so documentaries cool. he watched the documentary on uh netflix and he'll watch it multiple times it's a documentary bro <laughs> right. elon musk's documentary he watched yeah. it over and over and over oh, again. That's, that's amazing so now I want to ask you, what were you taught? You've had a lot of mentors in your life. You've had a lot of very successful people in your life. So I think there might be one or two things in the back of your mind right now that you're thinking, when this person told me this, it changed everything. Uh, my freshman year algebra teacher, Mr. Carl, never forget him. I'm, I'm a whiz with math. When it comes to numbers, I'm the guy. I'm not saying I'm a human calculator um, or anything crazy and going in, I can't do calculus in my head or anything crazy like that. But when it comes to numbers and, you know, how you get there and stuff like that, I can figure it out. I don't need a textbook to teach me. I don't need a teacher to teach me. All I need is the problem and, the, and, and an answer. And then I can do that formula with just that. You can put any number, any variable, whatever you want in it. I'll figure it out. And that's just how I've always been. Math has just been very simple for me. So, you know, naturally, I would not show my work when I did tests, when I did homework, <laughs> stuff like that. And with homework, it was always I was cheating. And finally, after like a month, I would say he sat me down. He kept me after class. He's like, Cole, you have to show your work. Um that I, I, I'm not doing this anymore. And I told him, I was like, you write any problem you want on that board, I'll figure it out in my head without doing any of my work, I promise you. And he's like, if you can do that, we'll have another conversation another day. I said, okay. So he writes out this long equation, like took me about 10, 15 minutes. And I finally gave him the answer and it was right. And he's like, all right. So he's like, you can do this. He's like, I, I want to share with you my perspective. He's like, when you turn in work that doesn't have how you got there and it's complicated math for someone of your age, I assume you're cheating. And I was like, okay. He's like, but I don't know who you are. Um, I don't know your, I haven't been with you throughout your entire educational life. I haven't been with you at any part of your life, but when you don't do this thing for me, I don't understand it. And that opened my eyes up to school. Like, that, you know, luckily, this is, I'm glad this was my freshman year. So, because the way I did school was very minimalistic. I want to do as few, a little work as possible to get a C. That was my goal. If I yeah. could do that, my mom would stay off my back. I would graduate early. Um, I'd get all the credits I needed. Like, and I wouldn't have to work that hard. That was my goal with school. And I accomplished that very successfully. Um, but it opened my eyes to figure out, ah, Okay, so I need to maybe have conversations with my teachers about why I'm doing what I'm doing or understand why they're asking me for what they're asking me for rather than assuming that they're doing it to either punish me or um, because they're told to do it or whatever. So that kind of helped a little bit with, with understanding perspective quite a bit from a school level. And I, the reason I wanted to share that with with you and with your audience is because I feel like there's probably going to be some kids going through school that are going to watch this. Your, your teachers really aren't there for, for bad reason, but you got to understand they got, sometimes they got hundreds of kids. They don't know how everybody's doing everything. So they have everybody do it the same way because they know that that way is the way that they know they can get the result that they're looking for, which is you learning something. Um, so that, that gave me perspective. So I wanted to share that story just to kind of help with that in case there, you know, if you're, I was the student, definitely that the teachers did not like, because I did the bare minimum, got by in class, um, all that fun stuff. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd fight with teachers, but there's definitely, you know, some, some pushback on my end on, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. So recognizing why they wanted me to do it the way they wanted me to do it um, came from that conversation I had with my math teacher. I want to share that, but I'll share this. I, so a, a, a big portion of my sales career, if you will, before I got into running my own companies and stuff, um, I, I sold cars and I would not recommend to sell cars to anybody. It's a terrible job, but you can make six figures doing it. I was fortunate enough, I worked at a Honda dealership next to one of the top Honda sales representatives in the entire country. 
he's sold 70% of the volume for that store. Um, to give you perspective, there was 15 salespeople. One guy did 70% of the sales. He was good. So I watched him and he was grumpy old man, no family. He worked from 4am until he was done at night kind of thing, like six days a week. That was just his thing. Um, but as I got to know him better and, you know, obviously putting up numbers on the sales board and stuff like that and showing that I'm not just some punk kid, he kind of let me in a little bit to what's going on and stuff like that. So I would help him, you know, and then I got promoted and I was a, a sales manager. So I would help him out with his deals and stuff. And I started, I'd be helping out another customer at a table right next to his desk and he'd be talking with another customer. And I would hear him all day because he would just assume the sale, buy this car, buy this car, buy this car. And all of a sudden somebody said, uh, I, I never lease cars. I only buy cars. And then he goes, let me share a perspective with you. He's like, it's three years from now. And then he starts going into this whole story about what three years from now looks like. Where, where's your house at? What kind of car are you driving? What job are you working? How many kids do you have? Um, you know, how many miles a year have you driven? Like just going down the line, just making them paint this mental picture in their head. And he's like, all right. He's like, so you're telling me that in three years, a little bit of flexibility wouldn't help out. And I heard him say that. And I was like, whoa, like I've never, like, it's just car sales, right? It's nothing crazy. But that question for me was like, that challenges a perspective right there. You have to make a decision on what your perspective is or which one you believe in more. Cause there's, there's a, no matter what, there's always more than one perspective. We have to make the decision on which one's the right one or which one's the one you're going to believe in. So I started teaching the sales staff that, and some of the guys that were selling five or six cars a month started selling 15 cars a month, like almost instantly, just because they were starting to one, look for perspective, but to share perspective instead of tell or set of demand instead of, you know, mm. force a perspective. They started like, let me share it with you. That yeah. opened my mind up to how powerful perspective can really be uh, in the business world. Obviously in your personal life and everything else, it's really important for your emotions and everything that we would mostly talked about, but for business and sales and everything else, like understanding perspective, seeing perspective, and then sharing the perspective that you believe someone will buy into um, is, is a very powerful thing. <laughs> earlier when you said uh when you're telling the story about showing your work i was thinking you know in order for people to be able to see your perspective you got to show what you've put in what you've been through you have to tell your story show right. your work to me and in, in my in my business is tell your story yeah. tell the truth that's what that really means yeah i try and i try to not i try not to use the word tell as much um at all just share right? yeah i try to use share um the, the reason for that is just the mental like if, if i'm like hey jared i'm gonna tell you something yeah and you're like there's, oh i don't want to be told <laughs> yeah exactly there's two sides of that oh cool tell me whatever you want to tell me because you you already know who i am you know like and trust me and then there's i don't i'm not listening to this guy like who are you to tell me yeah, when i say hey like man, can i share something with you then they get to form their they believe they get to form their own opinion now if you obviously <laughs> you go through the work that, that i've been through and the experience you know that you have a lot better chance of persuading somebody and influencing somebody to also you know believe in your perspective or whatever you're about to share with them um so i i, I, I try to, instead of storytelling it's story sharing let me share this story with you instead of tell you this yeah. story instead of telling you something let me share it with you you know you want people you, to feel especially you right you're speaking yeah. on stages and stuff you want people to uh collaborate with you to be there with you to want to be involved with what you got going on yeah. um so just small stuff and who knows maybe maybe you you're like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you guys this story and everyone's like i want to listen like it might work who knows I, I feel like you just have more opportunity when you you know ask somebody if i can share something with you um all together and i teach my students this too because I, I teach again i teach copywriting um, which is you know writing persuasively for advertising um i i share that with them all the time where it's like hey guys like the words you use in your copy matter and that little word could turn off a potential prospect or it could 
prevent somebody from making that life change that they need to make right now, depending on what product or service you're offering. Um, so I, I try to be aware as much as I can of, you know, just the words that we use. And it's not, you know, there's no perfect way. Like I, you know, every once in a while I'll use the word tell or uh, something like that, but uh, I try to catch myself and I try to fix it. Um, and then I surround myself with people that recognize that I don't like to use those words and they'll call me out for it. Like, Hey, we don't use that word. Like, <laughs> well, thank you, bro. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for sharing all that knowledge with us. It was beautiful, man. Of course. And any, any last words you want to say to the audience, to the kids, to the, well, adults that will be watching this as well. Good challenge for you, if you will, something to work through, uh, you know, can you, is there any point in this where you could kind of pinpoint, uh, you know, how that all came together and, and my perspective on, on how all of that stuff works and um, all of that fun stuff. I think that will be much more motivational and impactful than leaving you guys with a, with a cliche. Not that those are bad. I usually sign <laughs> off with them, uh, but, but I want to, I want to see some work put in. I, I want to see, I want to see some change happen. I want to, I want to meet someone which one of you at least one of you watching this right now 10 years from now and say that that one video changed my life forever 110 percent. so with that being said where can they find you social media handles yeah you can find me on social media at cole vandy uh v-a-n-d-e-e two e's at the end so you can look at copywritingbook.net it's my book. Uh, just, it's a how-to book on how to write advertising. If that's something you're interested in, that's where you find me and find my book. Well, thank you, bro. All of that will be down below in the description, along with the link to your book, so everybody can check it out, purchase if they need to. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing. Right? Thank you for sharing. <laughs> hey, thank, thank you, and for inviting me on, man. This is absolutely. I enjoy it. Yeah.